0: Welcome to the podcast for Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our city campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Well, the Christian life. You know, the church has been saying for hundreds of years that we are to be more like Jesus. Has anybody ever heard that before? come from any pulpit or from anybody at any time over the last bunch of years absolutely the church has been in fact in the early part of the church you know they were known as Christos Ianos in the Greek which is Christ like ones ones that looked like Christ that talked about this way the people of the way they were also known as they were talking about this God in heaven that was sounded a lot like the Jewish God sounded a lot like the God of Israel, but it was a whole lot personal, a whole lot more intimate, a whole lot more connected. And uh, Jesus was the linchpin between this connectedness, and they were preaching this gospel. And many believers came into the early church, many of those who were of the Jewish uh, tradition, saw their Messiah and came into a living and personal relationship with God in a different way. And so ever since then, the church has been speaking about being Christ-like ones. But what does that mean? What does it really mean if we actually say to ourselves, how do I live as a Christ-like one? It's one thing to aspire to something, hey? But it's actually another thing to be able to do it. And uh, I don't know about you, but I found that this book has been really good and really clear sometimes about what to do. But not always so clear about how. How do I go about doing that? And I hope this morning that the Spirit of God would reveal something to you. We're, we're in a series called I Am, where Jesus is speaking about his I am, his his personal identity, who he is. But as he's talking about who he is, particularly this morning, there are actual messages for us because as Jesus speaks about himself, he is also speaking about us. And one of the great challenges for our heart and soul as people is to begin to realize the place of prominence and love and affection and foundness and completeness that God has offered to us and gives to us today. And to actually enter into that, that sense of it, that consciousness of it, to actually live out of it is the whole quest of Christianity. To become more like Jesus isn't about some kind of radical program of obedience. It's not willing yourself into some kind of place of, 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 of sacrifice. In fact, it's far from that. And as we get a glimpse of it this morning, I hope the Spirit of God will reveal something in you. All change that happens in the human heart is revelatory. All change is revelatory. You know, a child learns to be afraid of the dark, not because the dark is actually a place where they are unsafe, but they learn to feel unsafe because of an experience that may happen. The dark is not unsafe. We know as as, as parents, we walk in and we turn the light on and we say, Look, honey, look around. It's, It's still the same room. It's just darker. Oh, but I've, I feel like it's not right. I, I feel like it's not safe. I, you know, I, I have in my neurology, in my emotions, in the way I'm hooked up, in the way I think, and the way that's excreting hormones into my bloodstream and the way that I'm actually, my, my state of being tells me I am in danger. And I am afraid. And yet the evidence for that fear is not there. But it's being manufactured as truth. Inside that person's being, we learn to do these things. And of course, we can unlearn them too, you know, as we grow and we realize that the dark isn't. In fact, many of us look forward to the dark. <laughs> when I'm in a hotel room and I can get that thing as dark as I can, I know I can sleep as long as I can. Bring on the dark, I say. Uh, so we learn, don't we, different ways of approaching what we think is truth. And our truths inside us speak to us. And so the only way really to walk into new places of freedom is to have new truths inserted in our heart. And I, I want to speak to that today. I want to speak today. Well, I've got there's three scriptures, primary scriptures I want to use. One is the main scripture that, you know, if you're in life groups and doing that journey, then this will be the one that will be in your books. And we're going we're gonna to come back to this. But I want to look at this one scripture through the lens of two others. We're going to point at it and see what it says because there is a complete message that I think Jesus wants to put in our hearts this morning. So turn with me to John 15 and verse 1. Jesus is speaking and he says this I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Really important. Just lock into those roles for a minute. The father is the vine dresser, he's the farmer, he's the gardener that oversees this garden and there is a vine and his name is Jesus. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask, you'll ask what you desire and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified. Wow. That you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. There is a position in Christ through which the Father gets glory. And we can sing all we like, we can pray all we like, we can dance, we can do everything. We can sacrifice, we can fast, we can go on a vigil, we can do a prayer walk, we can do a whole range of things. These things are good. They're worth doing at times. But none of it is the thing that gives the Father glory. The thing that gives the Father glory is the revelation that you will catch of where you are in Christ and how you will live out of that fruitfully and that fruit, I love that, kids, woo. Um, I, that's kids, whoo, that fruitfulness gives the father glory and this morning we're going to look, let's look at our first scripture this morning and I'm going to have a crack this morning at doing a little bit of drama, I've got a few people that are going to come help me do this this morning so we can illuminate and illustrate this, this is either going to be incredibly wonderful or a complete train wreck and um, <laughs> let's just see how we go, let's just roll with it. Let's look at the first scripture, Ephesians 1. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Here's the bit I want to focus on. Just as he, the Father, chose us in him, the Son, before the foundation of the world. Just as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world why that we should be holy and without blame before him in love having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will now just in case you think i've plucked the scripture out of nowhere we could have read the same thing from first peter We could have read it from Revelation. We could have read it from Matthew. We could have read it from Hebrews or 2 Timothy. It's like the early church knew this thing. It was a truth that sat in behind everything they believed and they wrote about it, but it was like one of those things that you just don't talk about all the time because it's just known. And it comes out in the writings of all these different people, Peter and John and Matthew and the writer of Hebrews and Paul. They're all writing about it. I reckon somewhere along the years, the church has lost the idea of what this really means to us. Before the foundation of the world, Jesus was coming. Just think about that for a minute. Because if you fully understand the truth of that, then you've got to say to yourself, Jesus didn't come because Adam sinned. There's a bigger picture. Now, I'm not saying he didn't come and deal with that too. But sometimes we've told the story like, well, God created the Garden of Eden. It was perfect. But then Adam stuffed it up. Adam. It's like everyone's looking for Adam when we get to heaven. It's like Adam. Had it not been for you, mate, we wouldn't have been where we are. There's a line up outside Adam's house. It's like, next, you know. And another thing, you know. It's like Adam. If God was coming in the form of a man before he ever said, let there be light, then God was doing something way bigger than whatever little thing Adam did wrong. And we've got to stop, we've got to replace our sin consciousness this morning with a consciousness of the design of God and live out of it. Because when we do, we're going to start abiding in Jesus. And that's the picture of where I want to head this morning Okay, let me get my dramatic hat on for a minute This is my earth, which we'll need soon We just don't need it yet Alright, I'm asked Craig if you would come please Well I haven't asked but Andrew did I was too embarrassed to Um, You'd come I haven't asked my daughter Isabel But she is now being asked if she'd come out (laughs) She doesn't get the choice Actually I'll get you to stand down here if you don't mind Because I want to be able to manoeuvre you And I'm going to ask Jesse if he'd come out too because he doesn't know about it either but I knew he'd say no. He can't say no because he's staff. Um, (laughs) Well, he can say no but it goes badly for him. All right. (laughs) So what we've got is we've got the Father, we've got the Son, baseball cap and all, and we've got the Holy Spirit, no surprise. By the way, to... (laughs) um, by the way the Holy Spirit too in the Hebrew and the Greek Feminine It's, 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 a, feminine, it's a feminine expression just, just for those who want to do their study afterwards So here we are Father, Son and Spirit Now we're going to go back before the foundation of the world This is, this is the holy boardroom of heaven And they're all together conversing They're all together conversing Oh, Oh Together Yeah we're talking Right there's a plan being hatched. Keep going. Oh, this, is, this is pantomime. You've got to sort of roll with me a bit. They're all, Just keep the voice down a little. <laughs> we're going to create the earth. We're going to, we're going to do something marvellous. We've got this dream inside us for creation. Can you imagine the intricacies? Okay, okay that's enough. You can just uh, just like on movies when you pretend to talk but you don't actually talk. That's what we need to okay. do. Um, there's a plan being hatched the intricacies of the detail. Can you imagine it? Down to the micro level that happens in the micro world, to the macro level of what's happening with gases and and solar systems and all of the stuff, the the level of detail that goes into the human body. Just for a minute, just try to put in your mind all of the things that cascade together around the sciences and the physics and the things that we are discovering today that's in the intelligence of these three. As they're saying, we're going to create something amazing and in the midst of that conversation there is a decision to create a thing called a human being it never existed before there were angels in the heavens before wonderful beautiful amazing angels but other than that we know of no other creation that's living other than them the human the human being was in the mind of god and as they were thinking about this now get the gravity of this for a minute They decide together, universally together, that the second person of the Trinity will become that creation. I will join them. So what it ends up being is now, just come around into a little group, the decision, as soon as the decision's been made... And because God's word, once it's been set, never changes. So, in other words, once he decides, it's done. Now, it may not have happened in the line of of time yet. Time, it's going to happen, but it's going to happen because God says it's going to happen, right? God is a God of his word. So, the second person of the Trinity is going to join the creation. This decision has forever changed the Trinity now. They are different from that moment on. Why? Because this person, the second person, the word, the Logos, who is now going to adopt a name we know as Jesus one day, but he is going to leave his divinity, whatever he's clothed in at this point, he is going to put that clothing off for all eternity. He's never ever going to be the same being again. He's going to come from his lofty place of heavenly connection in that way, never losing the connection, but actually putting on human flesh, and he will keep that human flesh, resurrected human flesh, for the rest of eternity. Wow. Can you just think about that for a minute? And so in the seat of the Godhead now, you've got humanity represented by Jesus he is both fully divine but fully human and it's happened now okay so now they decide we're going to create the rest of the environment that this humanity is going to grow up in and so if you could do this for me Jesus just come and stand in the middle and father and spirit if you could be either side of Jesus Colossians says that all things were created by him and through him, and all things are sustained by him. Colossians 1, 15, 16. You can look it up. And, and lots of other spots. So Jesus, the word now, speaks, let there be light. Go. Okay? Let there be light. <laughs> it's the will of the Father, and it's the power of the Spirit, <laughs> but it's the word of the Son. Spoken. Let there be light. And now he goes through systematically creating the environment in which the human form will actually live in. Ironically, it's the environment that he himself will walk on as well. So he's creating on earth as it is in heaven. He's creating another precinct of heaven's extension. Can you see? God has total control of this whole thing. And I want you to watch as we do this. He never loses control. The devil never takes over. He is an angel that has fallen. The devil never takes over. He never has the power to own anything. God is the owner. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, psalm says. He owns it all. Now we get to the point where we're going to create man, the Godhead. It's the will of the Father the power of the spirit and now Jesus the word is going to get down in the dirt that's been created this substance called soil this carbon life form and he's going to take this carbon life form and he's going to fashion it into a human body Andrew come stand here with me you are (laughs) you are Adam (laughs) now interestingly here's what happens they've already imagined what the human body looks like because Jesus is going to walk in it. How is man created in the image of God? Because God is decided to be created in the image of man. And so the body that Jesus was going to walk in thousands of years in the future was given to Adam. Adam, you're the first person to own the body that Jesus will live in. You are an exact replica of what will happen. You are physically the same. You will have the same attributes as Adam. And if you come into this little Trinitarian here, you are part of this circle. You are not a... What we've often imagined as we thought about this story, I think, and it's kind of worked for our theology a bit too, that Adam's the fourth wheel, one, two, three, and like he's like the guy coming along, going, "Hey guys, can I get in here? Can I, can I? You know, ha, 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 What about me? N- not true at all, because the vision of humanity within the Godhead is already set. Adam just simply hear the words, abides in Jesus, abide in me. He abides in him. Why does he abide in him? Because he is the exact replica of him already. Now, Jesus hasn't come yet, but the body's been imagined. It's been designed. He's now in it. He now abides in it. So he is part of this construct. They are connected forever. The will of the Father is sons and daughters that look like this. And you're the first, Adam. Thank you, Adam. You can sit down. You're the first. And then there'll be a second and a third. And so, can we thank our Trinity for a minute? They've done a marvellous job. Thank you. You can take that with you. Too. I wanted to slow it down because sometimes we have to. We've got to see that what God wanted to do, there is an original design in Jesus that God wants and has designed for you, and he's never lost track of it. He has never, ever thrown the plan away. Ever. He wasn't waiting for Adam to sin so he could respond. He knew that whatever happened, whatever mankind chose to do, whatever decisions they made, good or bad, it wouldn't change his design plan. Because Jesus was always going to come, stand in the midst of our pain, our isolation, the the mythologies that we would make up about who God is and who isn't. He would stand in the middle of it and he would say, I am showing you what God is and who we are. And the message of Jesus is both who is God, but it's also who are you. It's the message together. The gospel is Jesus Christ. He is the incarnate message of the fusion that always was in the heart of God before the beginning of time. We are not plan B, people. C, D, E, or F. And whatever your journey has been or whatever the enemy has tried to tell you, whatever story has been made up in your head like the little kid in the room that thinks the dark is dangerous, it's a lie. And if there's anything this morning I could ask your spirit to hear is that God's yes that he speaks over you is far greater than any no that the enemy has tried to sell you. He is a liar. And the father of lies has come to us from the very beginning and tried to tell us that God is not as good as he says he is. It's the first lie of the Garden of Eden. The first lie of the Garden of Eden was that God can't be trusted. Did God really say that? Did God really say that you would die? No, no, God's hiding it from you because he doesn't want you to be like him if you eat from that fruit. Hmm. So now I'm questioning the goodness of God if I'm Adam. And that's exactly the same lie that we've been sold ever since. Is God really that good? And I know there'll be people here as we're talking about this idea, even now, you'll say, yes, but how can that be true for me? In our hearts, there's something that goes, that's too great. That can't be right. There's got to be a hole in that somewhere. And that's, see, sin is not not what we do. Sin is what we believe. The root of sin is this idea that I am separate from God, therefore I cannot be like him and I cannot know him and I cannot walk with him. Sin wants me to invent my own controls and methods and thinking so that I can can put around me the things that are going to help me survive in life and get on, yet the very thing that I need is in him, but I choose him last. Look what happened to Adam. Adam sinned, He, 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 he decided against the will of the Father for his own benefit. He decided against the will of the father for his own benefit. And then the father's walking through the garden looking for Adam. And where is he? And Adam's hiding. And and he says to Adam, why are you hiding? He says, well, because I'm naked. And the father, and, and Jesus, I believe it was Jesus walking in the garden. Jesus said to him, well, who told you that? Who told you you were naked? What is the idea of naked? Where did you get that from? I have never said you were naked. I have never said you're exposed. I've never said you're vulnerable. I've never said, all I've said is I love you. I'm over you. I'm with you. I am your shepherd. I am All the things that the Bible says he is, he would have affirmed over his son. And yet now Adam is speaking a mythology that says I am naked. What's that? Where would that come from? And we've been telling God who he is ever since from the wrong base, from the wrong origin point. Sin speaks through us and says, that's who you are, God. So now I'm going to build religions. I'm going to build rules. I'm going to build things I've got to do to get to God. I'm going to climb towards heaven. And somehow or other, God's going to approve of me, and then he's going to give me his blessing. And we even ask God, God, bless me. Would you bless me? God says, I can't bless you any more than I have. You've got it all. I've walked amongst you. I've given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. See, let me stay on track. I'm getting passionate. (laughs) Jesus didn't come to be an example for us. He came to be an example of us. Jesus didn't come just to be an example for us. See, that's behavioral. I've got to be like Jesus. I've got to be good. I've got to be kind. I've got to be gracious. I've got to be full of faith. I've got to be, I've got to be, I've got to be, I've got to be. Give me a list of rules and give me something to do and I'll go and do it. That's religion. That's the heart of man trying to climb the ladder to God. What Jesus is saying is you're already there. You're already in my presence. Why? Because I've created the world. Everything that's in it, every breath that you take is my grace. You're already in my grace. And here's something that will pickle our noodle a little bit more this morning. But even the unbelievers are sitting right now in the grace of God because they don't have existence without Jesus. Everything that has been made on the earth Has been made because He made it, because He permissioned it, because He saw it, because He sustains it with the word of His testimony. Everything, everything, the good and the bad is all there because it's sustained by God. Our challenge is we haven't woken up to who He is. It's the revelation on the inside of our heart that as we see that, we start to abide in a different story. We start to see a different story. We start to draw from a different root. When he's talking about the vine and the branch, have you ever seen a vine and a branch? Can you ever tell the imperceptible difference between where a vine becomes a branch, that becomes a branch, that becomes a branch, that becomes a branch? If you actually look at a vine, where is the vine and the branch in the separation? Yes, you can probably track it back to the ground, but at some point it forks out, doesn't it? It just keeps forking and walking. Yeah? He's trying to show us a picture. You're in me. And, but the fruit I'm looking for is the stuff that comes out of your life when you draw from a different place of reference. If you draw from the tree over here of the knowledge of good and evil, you'll just replicate behavioural obligations. You'll just replicate your own sense of self-worthlessness. Your own sense of that I don't belong, that I don't fit, that I'm not part of it. I am the fourth wheel. I am outside of the kingdom. I'm trying to force my way in. By doing the things God wants me to do, it's the root of the wrong tree. He wants us to come to this vine over here that says, I'm already in. You can't be more complete in Jesus than you are today because complete is complete. But you can wake up to it. It's like the child who's got the blanket up around them saying, I'm afraid. But as soon as they wake up, they realise, uh, I'm not afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about. We have to get to a place in our hearts, I believe, where we realise that something greater happened in Jesus than happened in Adam. We give Adam's story way too much credit. Adam. It's almost like Adam is the thing we're focused on. Well, Adam sinned and Adam did this and because of Adam, because of Adam, 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 Adam. Yes, it's true. There is is a root of a tree that it tried to embed itself into humanity. But Jesus came to show us something. He said, not that tree. From, my, from the tree that I stand in, from the original design that I've spoken over you from the beginning of time, it's never changed. I've come to demonstrate to you what being in looks like. And you're in. You're already in. Now come. And as we walk towards him, our hearts start to say, Yes, but what else do you need me to do, Jesus? He goes, Just believe. Just believe. Yes, but aren't you going to judge me? Jesus, I've done, I had a horrible week this week. Aren't you going to judge me? No. I've forgiven you. Yes, but haven't I got to do something to earn that forgiveness? No. Just come. But what do I do with this baggage of guilt and shame and condemnation? What do I do with how I feel? What do I do with it? Just leave it behind. Just keep looking at me until it dissolves out of your heart. That's how people get set free. They just keep looking at the design and going, you know what, I've been sold a lemon and I've been believing the wrong thing. Jesus is the one who has turned it all around. He is the one. He's walked into my delusion. He's walked into the far country of my separation. He's walked into my disorientation and my sense of I don't belong and my sense of isolation. He's walked in the midst of it and he stood in the midst of it and said, here I am, I've come to find you. And I always get to this bit and I can hardly get through it. I've come to find you. I've come to find you. Jesus didn't die on a cross to pay the price of a God, a father's wrath. He paid you and my price. We put him on the cross. We crucified him. We said to the Son of God. Now, we didn't personally, but we would have. He came to his people. The Bible says he came to his own and his own rejected him. Of all the people on the earth who understood covenant and understood God, he stood in the midst of them and they said, crucify him. Crucify the creator. Crucify the only one who gave me life. Crucify the one. We got to the place of delusionment that we could be so estranged from God that we'd want to kill him. And we did. We did. But he stood on the cross and he said, forgive them, God, they don't know what they do. They don't know whose they're from. They don't know who they belong to. But I'm standing in the midst of it. I'm demonstrating what love looks like. It's a cruciform, sacrificial love. And if they look at me long enough, they'll understand I'm going to love them no matter what they do. Whatever they do, I will love them. Because I will show them I never let go of them. And it heals our heart. Heals our heart to hear it because I don't have to be anything. I don't have to do anything. I just, what Jesus did, you notice that He said, here's the only things you've got to do love me and love everybody else around you. Just do that. That'll be okay. Notice He didn't give you a list, He didn't give you a check points He didn't, he, he just talked about the life of the kingdom. He talked about the Father and He talked about the kingdom. And the series we're going to do soon on the Beatitudes, he just talked about what the kingdom looks like, but he didn't say you've got to do those things to get into it. That's just what the kingdom looks like. When when you've got fruit coming out of your life, it's going to look like that. But don't focus on the fruit. Focus on the person of Jesus. Abide in me. Focus on me. Dwell in me. Understand the revelation of who I am before the Father. Live out of that revelation in your life and things will start to get clean. Things will start to get changed. You'll start to find a power source you never had before. You won't be bound by shame and sin and condemnation. You won't even be thinking about it. Sin isn't even part of your conversation anymore. The only one that keeps bringing it up is us. God's not interested. Stop talking about it. It messes up. it'll mess us up, but it'll heal us also. Alright, the second scripture, and I have got to get on my bike. <laughs> I reckon this is one of the most challenging scriptures in the Bible. It's challenging if you really want to meditate and live out of it. Second Corinthians 3 and verse 18. Paul speaking, he says, But we all with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of the Lord is on a mission here, folks. He's trying to bring the glory of the Lord to the earth. The only challenge we've got is, you're the glory of the Lord. He's trying to bring to the earth. You are. What do you see when you look in a mirror? Just think about it for a minute. What what comes back at you when you look in a mirror? Your reflection. So we're looking in a mirror at our own reflection. But the scripture is saying, if we look with an unveiled face, if you look at the context of the scripture, it's talking about the law of requirements that's against us. He's saying that law has been taken away. The veil has been broken. The veil has been taken. There is no law of requirements anymore. So if you can look into that mirror without looking through the requirements you think you've got to carry and you look at the glory of the Lord, you're going to be transformed. In other words, your manifestation of the glory of God is what God is looking for. Remember what what it says in, in, in John. We just read it. It's the Father gets the glory when you look like Jesus. As you start to look more like Jesus, he gets the glory. Wow. Oh, so it's not self-promotion. No, it's not egotistical enhancement. No, I'm not trying to become what I'm not. No, I'm trying to put myself into a place I don't belong. No, I'm actually returning to my original design. I'm returning to the the thing that God always wanted me to do, to be. I want to look at some of the Greek. Just go to the next slide, if you could, please, Alicia. Unveiled face is not restricted by a law of requirements. Go to the next one. Glory. Doxa. It could be translated as authentic blueprint, meaning the glory of the Lord, and this is a deep idea to do in 30 seconds, but the glory of the Lord is his manifest mission. What is it? What was the thing that, remember, for the, for the cross, remember it says, he, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. There was something on the other side of the cross for Jesus that he was aiming at. And he had been aiming at it before the beginning of time. Remember back here, he's never lost that purpose. And so when he came to manifest glory what he was manifesting is how does mankind and God dwell together as one That's the glorious message of the gospel The glory of the Lord is the achievement of man and God together fully holy and without blame before him in love Holy and without He said I'm not holy well, you're just criticizing the very word of God. Really? Who told you that? Who told you you were naked? Where do we get that from? And as I've met it, as God has been working on my heart with this, and there's so much work to do. But as you've been working on my heart, I've realized I have accumulated so many ideas that are unhelpful. So many behavioural patterns that are just not going to get me there. In fact, they need to be nailed on the cross. The law of requirements needed to be put to death. To go to the next one, if you wouldn't mind. Sorry, Alicia, I stopped us. Transformed. This is a big idea. Transformed comes from the word harmatia, which is where we get metamorphosis. This idea of the metamorphic trans, um, transformation. And it actually means with form. Now we don't have time to fully unpack this, but the word sin in the same Greek means without form. So what metamorphosis is, is the returning to form. Whose form? The glory of the Lord, Jesus. Jesus is the form that we're replicating. Move to the next one. From glory to glory. Here's the one I really want to land it on away from glory towards glory there is a pathway the spirit of God is taking you from the glory of man to the glory of God he's moving you through that pathway that's the awakening that's happening inside each one of us we all with unveiled face behold in the mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. We are metamorphing. We are becoming with form into the same image of, the, of, of Jesus from glory to glory. From a mix of glory that we think is the right way to the glory which is perfect theology. His name is Jesus. And that's The gospel. That's why this is one of the most challenging scriptures there is because this is how we get there. We started today by saying this book is great for what to do but how to do. 2 Corinthians 3, that's how. Look into a different mirror. Draw your truth from a different place. The devil wants to take from you and steal from you who you are. And he wants to lie to you. And he wants to make sure you listen to that word and you go away and say that all sounds too hard because again if we take all this back through the filter of what have I got to do, then it is all very hard. You're right. But what if I already have it? What if I'm already? What if I'm already before him? And I just have to rest in it. I just have to wake up. I just have to remind myself. I just have to reflect from a different posture. I just have to come to him in a different way. And when those emotions come over me of unworthiness, when those senses of shame comes over me, when that sense of I don't belong, of I haven't done enough, when was the last time you prayed? Oh, it's been months. Oh, God, how on earth will I ever come to you? When all of that washes over us, start to discern it from what true root of the tree it's coming from. What if God was standing right next to you going, It's okay. I don't need anything from you. Just open your heart to me. I'm here. I've been found. He came and found me. That's the story. And so back to our scripture. Let's land with John 15 again. I am the true vine, Jesus says. And my father is the vine dresser. He's designed the whole thing. It's never been any different. The design has always been, you are in the sun. Abide in me. Abide, dwell in, reflect on, remember. Awaken within you. Come alive within you. Make your dwelling place from a different place. When you get up of a morning, remember who you are. You say, I'm so well trained this way, though my reflexes just go this way. I understand. I understand, I'm the same. But when you do, but remind yourself differently now as you get out of bed in the morning, say, oh God, here we go again. Just here I am in your kingdom. I'm in your presence already. I remember it. I just remember I've got to do nothing. I've just got to be with you. I've just got to let that happen and sit with him. For me personally, of a morning, I'll, I'll take at least an hour and I, maybe, you know, that's not an opportunity you have. But at some point in your week, take a time. What is prayer? Just sit with God and remember remember who you said you are just remember i, I reckon and hours would go past for me in a week where i'm just saying thank you thank you and i'm just feeling that sense of being along to him i belong to him i didn't feel like it 45 minutes ago but right now i'm starting to feel it again i'm starting to remember i belong to him I look at my watch and I go, wow, is that an hour? My goodness, we've just spent time together, Jesus. What have we actually done? Well, I've just remembered. That's it. Prayer session over. Let's go about the day. And if we'll do that every day or every couple of days or as much as you can, I believe God will shift something on the inside with you. Let's pray. Oh, Father, it's, it's like holy ground as we speak about the breathless extravagance of your love. God, it is overwhelmingly beyond what we could have asked and thought. No wonder, as Eleanor read for us today, that nothing separates us from the love of God. We can't be separated. You wouldn't allow it, God. God. And our orphaned, aching hearts need to keep hearing the the resurrected reassurance that comes from looking at the cross, that comes at looking at the incarnation, that comes at looking at the grand design and scheme of God. Our hearts need to be reminded constantly, but God, you know that. You're not against that. You know that we need to keep dipping the cup of our lives into that well and drinking it and splashing it over our lives time and time again so that we come from a different source, so that rivers of living water flow out of us in a different way. God, I pray today, would you help each one of us catch by the Spirit of God the joy of this wonderful salvation. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 You know, this morning, I I believe there's a response for us in this. And I, I don't picture it as people having to come to the front or anything like that, but I do picture it as something that happens on the inside of your heart. Only you can see out from the inside of your heart right now only you know where your focus is where your heart is and our whole christian faith is what do we carry in the revelation when we look up at god when you look up at god what speaks to you because god is going to be the revelation that flows out of you as you look at him now he's planted it there he's coached it into there but that's how we come to him we come to him with all that we know about him. And if all we know at the moment is he loves me, that's good enough. But the response this morning is this. What stands in the way of intimacy for you? What stands in the way of intimacy? I'm not talking about time. I'm not talking about how many times you've prayed or read your Bible. It's, I'm not, that's not even an issue right now. In your heart, in what you believe about God, what stands in the way? What stops you from going, Abba, I feel your affirmation. That's what you've got to give him this morning. That's what you've got to lay down. You've got to let go of it. Because it's only us that are hanging on to it. We can pray... But what we really need to do is actually say, God, I, I let go of what I've been holding on to, thinking it was helping me, thinking it was my control mechanism, thinking it was the thing that was going to get me closer to you. It's not. I'm going to let go of it. So could I ask just every, eye bowed and every, actually we're going to bow our heads and close our eyes, might be better. Just Could you do that just across the auditorium? There might be some here and you've never actually thought about your relationship with God at all till this moment now. Maybe that's what brought you here. You thought, I I want to understand a little bit more about this God that these people love. So maybe what we're about to do will be the first time you've ever done this. That's great. Welcome. It's lovely to have you here. Others of you, you've carried some baggage for a long time. You've known Jesus for a long time but the thing that stands in the way of your intimacy it's time to let it go it's time to release it i just want you in your mind's eye this morning if it helps you to put your hands in front of you if it helps you to whisper as you pray if it helps you just to do whatever's going to posture this moment for you in the right way you just do it there's total freedom in this place total freedom in this place but I encourage you this morning give it to him I'm going to pray for us in a couple of seconds and as I pray I just want you to release to him and as you release that thing that stands in the way I want you to receive from him the light of his love let there be a warmth that shines into your heart this morning in a new way God I I want to receive something new from you let me pray father with every head bowed and every eye closed you're the only one that sees really into the truth of who we are and you love everyone there is no one sitting here in this room god that you haven't already seen and loved and walked with you've stood next to you've wept over God, your heart aches for us. This morning, Lord, we release to you our shame. We release to you the baggage of guilt and condemnation. We release to you the requirements that we've placed over ourselves. Like somehow if we tick these boxes, we're going to please you. God, we, we remember today you're already pleased with us. Father, forgive us for our own lies, the stuff we've believed. Holy Spirit, would you help each one map a new path, a new way forward? In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen.